Hi guys, compadres, compatriots, friends, family maybe. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. My name's Winter Phonander, I'm the host of this show. This is episode 32, I, I, we've done 32 of these. That's quite a few. Well I thought it was until I spoke to my friend Simon Kane, who was on this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. He is running three podcasts. He also promotes two gigs. He's doing nine fringes this year. Last year he did 11 fringes. The guy has got a serious work ethic. He's a really lovely fella as well. He's also written a book called How to Make a Living by Working for Free. Go check it out. It's worth a read. You can find him on Twitter at This Made Me Cool. But what's been happening with me? Well, let me tell you about me. I did a preview for my upcoming Edinburgh Fringe show, which I'll be taking to Hastings. And I did it for a crowd that I didn't think were a fringe crowd, more of a Saturday night crowd. And it went pretty well. There's some really strong jokes in there, a lot of stuff to work on, but it was a great start. I was really pleased with it. I'm really happy with where the show is going. Now, if you want to follow this podcast, we're on Twitter, at The Comedy Defect. If you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter, it's at Winter Under. And if you like this podcast and you want to donate to us, well, look, we're on Patreon. Just go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, and, you know, you can donate. Or if you can't donate, share your favourite episode. But if you can't do that, tell your friends about it. We're on Podbean and iTunes. Or leave us a nice, honest review because it really helps. It tells everyone where we are and what we're doing. But I don't talk for too much longer because this is a great interview with Simon Kane, And I really enjoy talking to him. Gives away some great tips and ideas about how to grow your community. It is the very funny Mr. Simon Kane. I was going to say before we have you hit record. Hit record. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say on record. Um, mm. If I sound like a dick, it's probably because I'm just doing it for fun. So if you want to leave it in, yeah, just friend. ironically, yeah. Well, no, I just I like sometimes saying things for offence' sake and then okay. see. It. Like I've, I've got into a really bad habit of walking over to people, saying something I know will piss them off, leaving, and then yeah. going back to the conversation because it's fun to watch, especially at gigs, to watch comedians who who go, oh, I'm not offended by anything, and then you go, really, okay. I think women shouldn't have equal pay. I'll be back in five minutes and just see what they do. Because it's like you are offended by things. It's just you're not offended by as much things as most other people. And you can't say that you're not offended by things because everyone is. I look forward to that because there's, <laughs> there's, there's not an awful a lot of leeway where you can walk away and then come back again. Oh my God, I, I get really annoyed with offence at the moment because people think audiences are the problem and they're not. It's us not being funny, and I and I debate that all the time with comedians because some mm. I had a, I had a comedian a while ago talking to me about a contraceptive joke about mm. um we're, we're lady contraceptives lady contraceptives you know women sure. use contraception and I yeah. call them lady humans a lot right? uh, okay. and, and yeah. it's mainly because I'm really awkward because I'm an alien yeah, yeah I'm a, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a swamp creature from Trump's world she was saying oh it's not doing very well and it's whatever and she told me the joke and I was like. I don't find that funny. It's not offensive at all. It's mm. just, I, and she was like, oh, and I went, have you ever thought that maybe they're not finding it funny? It's not offensive. Mm. And she was like, oh, I just thought they'd find it offensive. And I went, well, maybe that's on you. Maybe you think this is slightly offensive. Or maybe yeah. you're thinking this is going to come off offensive. You can't project that onto them. Because if yeah. they're not laughing, ultimately, I mean, I've said some horrible things on stage. And if yeah. people laugh, mm. it doesn't mean I agree with it. I've got a joke in my current show about mm. how, you know, I'm, I'm a feminist and I'm more than happy to help out mm-hmm. and get, you know, level playing field. As long as we start on privileges I'm not using. As long as we start there, 
I'm cool with it. And it's a stupid mm. idea, but it's, I think a lot of men think like that, where they go, oh, yeah, let's do that. We'll help with that one. But mm. equal... Pe- no, we'll, I'll, I'll help it slower. Yeah. Like, can we deal with that yeah. later, kind of thing? Wait till I get my job that I want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a satirical point. It's obviously yeah. not something I believe in at all. I think you should help out in general anyway. Mm. But it's such a horrible thing to say that most people sort of laugh at it for the stupidity of me yeah. saying it, let alone... Did you just get away with it? It's <laughs> more like you got away with it rather than like... Well, not everyone laughs. I'm, yeah, well, that's fine. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, the, just the men, right? Just <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're my demographics. And welcome to the Comedy Defect Podcast. And let's just make this really sterile and clinical right now from this moment on. Go ahead. But how are you doing, man? Doing like nine fringes this year. That's what you said to me. What I love is you t- I told you that 30 seconds before you hit on. That's great. Yeah, I haven't told anyone else that. So Nine I, fringes. It just, you know, just because one it just isn't enough, is it really? I'll tell you why it is. I'm looking at your map behind you of England. Right. I find it very annoying and almost offensive when comedians complain about the circuit being hard to break mm. and to, to earn money from. I, I mean, I've spoken to comedians who are high up, mm. and we're talking they've been going 20 years, they're headliners, they always yeah. give us na- na- well, 90% of the time nail, no one nails every time, and if you do, you're lying to yourself or me. But the point is just that, you know, I've spoken to people who've been doing this ages, and they, mm. they're amazing at this, and they don't make a full-time living on it. They have to write for other things. They have to do panel shows. They have to do whatever because it's impossible. Mm. So when someone... I mean, I had, a, I had this debate last night. I'm running a charity gig at the moment and I offered someone a spot and they were like, well, how much are you going to pay? And I was like, it's a charity. I can't... Mm. I'm not getting paid. No one's getting paid. I can't mm. I can't afford a pay thing on this. Mm. I can probably afford a travel if you want, but there's no money in this. It's a thing. And he was like, oh, I don't want to do it. And I went, all right, fine, not a problem. But then he, then he sent me a link through to some equity stuff about... Because he's helped draft an equity-free pay thing. And, I, and I'm like, I get why you want this. And I want something similar. But I don't agree with this on charity gigs. Yeah. And also, in terms of breaking the circuit, I think enough of my friends... So a comedian, I can't name them. So he had to take a full-time job again in, in, in a thing. And it was a social media thing like I do. So that's how he kind of wanted to talk about it. You know, for someone like him, who I know is getting more than I am in terms of circuit, and I know is getting paid more than I am on the circuit, to have to take a job as well, you're wrapping yourself into a system that doesn't quite work. So for me, I want to create my own audience, and the only way to do that, from the people I've spoken to, from you know Richard Herring, from Brendan Burns, mm. from uh, Louise Romaland, is to go out there and find them, mm. and to find people who, as Brendan would put it, talk your language. Yeah. And the only way I'm going to do that is by doing these festivals, by yeah. and booking in my own tours, and saying, look... You might not find me funny. If you don't find me funny, don't come back. I'm cool with that. But I just need to find a thousand of you. <laughs> I just need a thousand people to give yeah. me 20 quid a year and I'm in and then I can go from there. And at the moment, I've probably found six. <laughs> yeah, but it's more yeah. than most. Like more, yeah. like, you know, I put a thing out on Twitter and Facebook the other day and mm. I had about 30 people in Manchester that I've never, I've never gigged in Manchester, like I've done a show in Manchester. Mm. Who also, if you come here, we'll come. And I'm like, all right, sweet. And now I'm booking a thing in Manchester. Cause, so, you know, you find your audience. And mm. like what you're doing now with podcasting, I think you find your audience. Just don't be a cunt about it. Well, this is true. <laughs> like everything, be nice. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did one podcast uh, a while ago. One of the other comedians on the podcast was said to me, oh, what's the vital thing you should be as a com- comic? You know, I said, well, the thing is, well, first of all, don't be a dick. <laughs> and then this particular comic put their hand on my leg and went, no. First thing, mate, can't be funny. Right, okay. Who, but, I need to know who this is. No, you don't. No, because I'll DM them. No. I, I, this is what fucks <laughs> me. This, this is the thing. Just, I, just, but he was younger than me. So but it's like, I slept with my first mum the other day. That's how, that's how I, so I tell you what, I, I, I don't know how much I can, I mean, obviously I can't mention, well, I do a podcast about dating, so I'm going to talk right. about it. Because she, okay. she knows it. So, wait, wait. She so, runs that podcast. No, no, no. She she's a regular contributor to it. Okay. As in she, <laughs> uh, we have a set, we have a section where people say stuff. In. Can I leave this in? Yeah. Okay. Is that fine? Was it like she's a regular? Oh no! I, 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 
Some people give more. Some, some people give some. Other people give more. That's I, fine. I, I, I think what it is. So uh, we have a yeah. section on the podcast where we say if you've got inappropriate things sent to you over online dating, send them in to us. We'll read sure. them out, all that kind of stuff. And she always has really good comebacks to it. And so I said, oh, if you're around and you want a cup of tea, not as a date thing, just as a meet up, we'll do that. Mm. And we ended up, you know, hooking up and stuff. And it's fine and whatever. But I've, I've never really done anything like that before. If I'm honest, I've never. Like, I wouldn't even class it as a one night stand because it wasn't a date and it wasn't. What it was just two mates, whatever, and we st- and we talk all the time still, but there's no it wouldn't work. It was interesting because only a week prior to that, I'd met up with a girl who was twenty who I met on tour. Who I sound like such a slut right now, but but she she jumped down to London because she was doing some work down here, mm. and we met up for just a drink. And again, it wasn't a date thing at all. And I remember halfway through like talking to her, going, "What what are you?" Like, there's no story here. There's no, there's no background here. You've mm. not, and I don't mean that in an offensive way. I just mm. mean I'm used to hanging out with people who are older than her. Mm. And so all the things she was saying, I was like, I, I, I've done, I've lived this day that you're telling mm. me about. I don't need to hear mm. it again mm. from your optimistic point of view. I need to hear it from my jaded, mm. oh, this is this is fine for now, but we know mm. it's going to get worse. Point mm. of view. That's mm. what I like about yeah. my age and people my age, Mm-mm. where you know, so, so you've far too much hope for me to have behind. Yeah. <laughs> What is it? You need, to, you need to have some despair. Yeah, some, yeah. I need to hear the failure. People say that I'm ageist when I say that, and I'm not at all. I just think you cannot be... I mean, I met someone the other day, and it was for a different thing. It was a, it was a, a video project I'm working on, mm. and they are just an expert on the piano. They've been playing the piano since they were about nine, mm. and they're 16 now, and they can just... Like, literally, they can hear a song and then play it. And I was like, this is mind-blowing, mm. but you have nothing else to offer me. Mm. Like, this is, this is your yeah. thing. And I get it, and this is amazing, but... And, and that's the problem I think some comedians have, is they put all their life in comedy, mm. and then you talk to them, and all they want to talk about is comedy. And I realise the satirical and sort of ironic point that I'm making it, mm. but it's like, you need other things to talk yeah. about. If, let's say for stage, but also just for you. I mean, if I'm having a bad run of gigs, the last thing I want to think is, this is it. But what I admire about you, Simon, is your work ethic. You're running a gig... You're doing yeah. three podcasts. Uh, yeah, you're doing. Well, I do, I do four, uh, but I'm in. I'm, I edit three. I don't want to make you feel too tired right now, but I'm just listing everything <laughs> you're doing. Okay, nine fringes this year. Yeah. You're doing a tour. Yeah, and like when you do, you sleep. Do you sleep at <laughs> no, all? No, we talked do about this before. If you want the list of everything, I do. I, I was doing a weekly vlog, but I've cut it back to fortnightly because it was okay. just killing me. Because yeah. video is so much harder to edit than audio, even mm-hmm. just on time. Um, I timed myself. Yeah. Uh, editing so normally I find out a little bit in editing so like I'll sometimes so you'll get you know what it's like you get a little bit through editing and then you scroll to the end and just see how long it is left just so you go oh, how long have I got yeah. I, I cut myself out of that and I, and I always turn off my phone and my internet on editing so that I can just focus on it and I time myself and it turns out it takes me about an hour to edit 10 minutes of audio yeah. so if for example you, I've got like two hours worth of an interview which I often do with a guest and I need to get down to an hour so that's not six ten minute slots times an hour that's double that because I've had double that content to get down to that mm-hmm. and then to do another wrap through when I've got to like make sure it actually makes sense and lucid because I've cut bits out it's fucking agony so yeah so the fourth one my mate edits because I can't do that oh wow the other guy does because I'm minion now as well <laughs> got K minions oh well he, he insisted because he wants to do okay. podcasting and wants to learn it All right. and I said the only way I'll get in he texted me you've got fucking work experience you <laughs> 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 oh, dear, all our contracts. Yeah, I know. Oh, how, you're, so you're left Sorry. now leaning more right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is why I was come on this. I wanted everyone to know my new political leader. Oh, Trump. Yeah, that's it, getting everyone to do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> that's right. Um, I've got a little... Uh, I've, actually, 
Don't actually have a car. I just have people carrying me around oh, in yeah, those yeah. little seats. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Nice. Oh, I love that. Wouldn't you? Right. I, this is the problem I have. Is you're, you're saying nice things, and mm. I everyone has an ego, regardless of the performance or not. I have an ego. I'm just not comfortable with people knowing I have an ego. Yeah. I'm fine with it when I'm at mm. home or when I'm driving. I don't know if you have this. When you drive into a gig, mm. and like the longer you're driving, especially if you're on your own, mm. your head starts starts to go. I'm fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> they booked me in another city I've never been in to do 10 minutes on paid. Oh, I'm great. Yeah. And then like halfway yeah. on my way there, I'm sort of, you know, practicing the Nobel Prize award for comedian. Yeah. You're like, they love speaker. me. They really yeah, love me. I just want to thank me from the past for putting in all yeah. the effort and my mum for doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know. That's it. Yeah. It's, all, it's all on me. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, so I do, so I do a, a fortnightly vlog, a free podcast, a fourth one that I don't edit. I'm doing nine fringe festivals in the run up to Edinburgh, then mm-hmm. I'm doing Edinburgh. And then I will have done when I finish this month, it will be booked a 32 day tour at the end of Edinburgh. And I'm running a monthly night, a charity night in London. It's like the LGBT. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm hoping to start a black gig later on in the year as okay, well right. um, with John Prince because, because, like I said, the circuit annoys me and bores me at certain times. And you hear, and, and I know I'm white and middle class, and well, probably upper middle class, but yeah. I, I, I like to go middle class because it drives people less insane. I, I get annoyed with seeing the same white dudes talking about the same things all the time, and. I want to hear other things because the point in comedy for me is to hear other voices and hear mm. things that are interesting. So, you know, I thought if I can't find them and I'm not seeing them because I'm doing gigs and maybe I'm self-selecting the gigs that aren't booking that or whatever, but I figured I'll start gigs that do that. Mm. And, you know, I, I love I love hearing interesting perspectives on life that I wouldn't have thought of. Mm. For me, the best part about a joke is when I think I wouldn't have written that. Not I couldn't have written that, just I wouldn't have written that. One of the podcasts is a mental health podcast that's okay. coming out soon. And, uh, you know, the more I talk to people about that, the more I realise, you know, even if people say they're okay, they say whatever, you don't know. Mm. And, they're ne- and they're never going to tell you the truth. I mean, I never tell people fully the truth because partly they don't care. Yeah. And partly it's, you know, if I said to you, if you asked me two days ago, oh, how are you? And I went, think about killing myself. You don't want to hear that shit. You don't want that to be your morning thing, you know? Well, it's, it, yes and no. I mean, I, 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 like, <laughs> I like people to be real. Yeah. That's what I want. It's because I don't like... I'm sick of people being fake around me. I've no time for that. Mm. It's just full of shit. I'm like, I'd rather than sit with a person for like a, whatever length of time with them being real rather than just talking absolute fucking drivel. Oh, I keep talking about symptoms of girls because I tend to find girls are the most drama in my life in general. And I don't mean girls are drama. I just mean I attracted that for mm. a long time. Mm. And, I, and because we get comfortable in routines and we get comfortable in our own habits... I am much more comfortable with a girl who causes me drama than a girl that doesn't. Mm. And I know which one's better for me, but because I'm used to that, and because my mm. parents have set me that model, because yeah. they're very much argumentative about each other and stuff, yeah. I think that's normal, and mm. I know it's not. You're, you're programmed with oh, that yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was sort of talking to a girl a couple of months ago, and she was proper annoying, and mm. the headache, and really... And I just sort of... I thought this was great. Like, I was a fucking idiot. And I, and, and, <laughs> self-harming. And, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, mentally self-harming, yeah. And, and I, I remember as I was approaching 30, and at 30 mm. hasn't really meant that much to me, mm. uh, as if I'm honest. But the people just keep asking me if, if it's changed anything. And all it's changed is that people are asking me if it's changed. Mm. Like, when I was 29, no one asked me that. Everyone just said, oh, we're nearly 30. Mm. That was it. For, for me, it's like, now I'm like, fuck it, I haven't got enough time. If I mm. have to spend, you know, two days a week sat on my own editing videos and uh, I don't have to but if I'm just out doing that I don't have time outside of that to deal with someone who isn't going to just tell me the truth mm. I remember uh, I, sp- I spoke to someone and I, I and I just said to them just tell me the truth I, I don't care if it's bad mm. I'd rather know the truth and deal with that than, than deal with your lie and then the truth because mm. then it's just hurting more so and then they, and then they just told me yeah you're, you're not funny you're not going back to comedy stuff so I <laughs> <laughs> 
Told you, Don wasn't like. No, 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 no
it was more... But of course, when you first become kind of aware of yourself and what you're doing and whatever. So I remember the first thing I realised that I'd done for myself that was... You know, like when you're re- retroactively looking at stuff. Mm-hmm. The first thing I'd done that was a thing that I'd realised I'd done, if you like, was when I was losing weight, I was convinced I was doing it for health reasons. And it wasn't. It was just because a girl had rejected me uh, just before a uni break at summer. And I and I just thought to myself, why is this? And I'd walked in on her having sex with my flatmate. Oh, no. And, and essentially, I was like, what's the difference between me and him? He was proper skinny. And I literally went, I'm not skinny. And mm. I just lost a load of weight. And, mm. and, and I mean, I'm not saying it like you can do that and it's easy and whatever. And I did it. The, I didn't eat and I ran every day. Like, mm. that's not an effective way of mm. losing weight. But I've leveled out. I'm not the skinniest person mm. in the world now, but I'm not the fattest either. And... I'm comfortable with my weight and I'm comfortable with eating Toblerone every fucking six hours. <laughs> so it's, it's absolutely fine. Put that goddamn Toblerone yeah. down. <laughs> uh, Brexit's fucked me up with that. I swear to God, they've ruined it. I, I used to work for Toblerone and they, and they emailed me when I was, I had started a petition for that last year when I was like, put it fucking yeah. back. Yeah. And, and they emailed me and said, look, we, we know it's you. Mm. You worked for us before. Stop having a go. And I went, no, because you know how much I, you know because I worked for you how much I love this brand. You're mm. fucking up some. You're fucking up one of the only things in my life mm. that is consistently <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Don't do that. And yeah. they were like, but you don't understand the business model. And I'm like, charge me more for yeah. it, but just keep it the same size. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I got really annoyed by that. They made the gaps bigger. And oh right, I didn't even notice this. You yeah, see, you were like, you know, serious I'm sure on yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all over that. I'm, I'm all on it. I, I, <laughs> well, I, I got to a stage so uh, early last year, January. I got a really bad time with a girl, okay. and then I had a really bad time with my ex getting back in touch, and then I got a really bad time with comedy. The, the bad time for comedy, incidentally, was a thought connected to those two things because you know when you're not in a good mood yeah. and stuff. And in, in hindsight, now I'm aware that it wasn't because. Mm. I I know when I'm gigging for bad reason, and I know when I'm doing it to run away from something. Because yeah. partly because I'm not enjoying it as much, and partly mm. because I'm doing it just cause. I, mm. And I knew, and I'm looking back on it, I wasn't doing that. But all of that hit at the same time. And I remember thinking to myself, the only thing that I really live for at the moment is chocolate. I'm more interested in that than dating or my family yeah. or just anything. Yeah. And and it was like, yeah, I don't, and I don't mind that. Why? I, Why do you do comedy? <laughs> Why are you hurting yourself so much with like doing? <laughs> Three podcasts. You're doing nine fringes. Why? Why, Simon? Why? Well, why? How, well <laughs> I, it constantly changes. The reason I do okay. it. I was trying to. Uh, do you know Corey Shaw? She's um, Jag Reflex. She's a, a manager there, and she runs Exeter. She. We were talking on the. By the way, any time you get to talk to Corey is not wasted time. She's amazing. I yeah. fucking love her. She. We. I. I don't know how to explain it to anyone listening who doesn't know who she is. Yeah. But time spent with her, with Gav Cross. I've had solid conversations with them that have put me back in a mindset that I'm like. There are good people out there mm. who are doing this for art reasons rather than money reasons, even though they're industry. And I, and I and there aren't many out there that are still doing it for that reason. Or Ian Coyle, for example, mm. he's a comedy commissioner. Dave, he loves it, loves comedy, and really champions people, even if they're not working for his channel. They'll mm. he'll put them in contact with other TV channels. He's a proper comedy fan, and I love that he's in the industry because people like him and Corey, and, you know, they they, they fucking make me mm. want to carry on. When I started, I was doing it. I don't know why I think I I didn't like my job at the time and I thought I'd do something else and then about six months in I realised I was doing this because I was more enjoying saying I'm in comedy than I was enjoying performing because I was meeting up with friends and they would say oh he's a comedian and I'd be like yeah 
<laughs> and, and then now I'm looking back on it going I've done 14 gigs not a comedian you fucking retard and then I took some time off and I came back and I was like why am I do- let's, let's do this and not tell anyone you're doing this let's, let's keep under the radar and see if you still enjoy it and I actually enjoyed it more then because you didn't have all the questions that you get asked that eventually you get sick of like you know tell us a joke or whatever or what's your best joke or who's your favourite comedian or that's crap now I do it because, because I want to have an audience that sustains me as a performer I, I, I don't want to be part of the cog of the industry in the same sense that most people do I don't necessarily want to be a club performing comedian I want to do what Kitson does for example where I go I'm putting on a show come if you want to see it and then people know me well enough or trust the name enough that they'll come that and also my mental health benefits from it greatly the thing I said to Corey was that the, the, the reasons I struggle to be friends with people are if they're, if they're doing it for a midlife crisis reason, like maybe I did, or if they're doing it as like a shortcut to getting like presenting work or something, or if they're doing it for pussy. Those three reasons, we're not likely to be very good friends because I get why it's a shortcut because sometimes you do get presenting work out of it and you can get noticed and things like that. And I understand why it's useful if you're struggling with something else, but don't do it on the pro nights, do it on the open mic, keep it there, because that's where you'll get that release and not get in the way of people who are trying to do it. No excuse for the third one. I mean, that might be because I've never pulled from <laughs> yeah, totally, um, totally. But also because... Well, I'm not saying you, me, I'm going to talk about No, I'm just saying, no, but it's like, I, I've been a writer for eight years, and not many people know that I write comedy, and I've been writing comedy for the internet for about eight years now. You know, it's, it's a case of... Uh, why would I if you're doing that for that reason mm. there are so many easier ways of getting mm. sex that even paying for it's quicker and easier than trying to perform mm. I mean I met someone the other day who was telling me that it's their hobby and we were at a pro night and I was like who hurt you mm. like what are you doing mm. here mm. you've driven and we both driven up from London it was Birmingham and I was like this is a long way to go when you're rebounding or whatever it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. This is too much for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not actually benefiting from this. So I do a joke about that now just to piss off him. Um, <laughs> but I know what you mean. No, yeah. so that's why I do it, because I enjoy it. If I've only got 30,000 days to live, I'd rather have my mental health be as sustained as it can be yeah. for it. And that means that I have... And I never call them fans. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Like, people who like what I do, I just say I'm mates who come and see me. Because... You know, there's a few people. There's got one guy in Reading who tweeted me when I was saying I'm going to come to Reading this year. But you know, I'm thinking, mm. and he was like, "I can't wait to see you again, mate. I love you, stuff. Massive mm. fan." And I was like, "Okay," mm. but he can call himself that if he wants to. But for yeah. me, I'm, I'm like, we're mates. Um, and there was another guy there who, who was who was much more, you know, oh, thanks, I really can't wait to see you again. He was really nice to see you last yeah. year, and I was like, oh, good, I like you slightly yeah. better because he hadn't said the f word. And that's the insulting. That's the word I get offended yeah. by because I don't know. I just debated Adam Bloom a while ago. Adam Bloom just wants fans he, he doesn't he doesn't want them knowing anything about him and that's fine if that's mm. what you want i suppose it comes down to i know how relationships work and i think if you're emotionally connected to the person mm. you're when you buy on an emotional level you're not you're not thinking rationally so you you're more likely to help them out or come and see them you both get something out of it too. yeah but you're 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 mining who you are mm. in, and then therefore that anything that you say to these people on stage is going to connect if it connects fully you're like mm. oh great that makes me feel like i'm normal yeah or it makes me feel like i'm, I'm one of you, not just me up here mm. talking to you. It, it's validating, really, yeah. rather than rather than just being a, a cheap thing. Great, you paid your ticket price. I'm going home now. I'm going to go spend your money. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's nice you come see me, but hey, look, you've bought me around. Yeah, hey, thanks, guys. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I uh, I had this debate. I think it was with Bruce Dessau, or mm. he's an unleaving standard reviewer for anyone who doesn't know that. Because he said, why do you stand at the door on the way in? Because most comedians, stay, you know, way at the back or And I go, because I want to say hi to my mates. <laughs> like, I want to, mm. and anyone who hasn't come who I haven't met yet, I want to say hi to them because they're going to be judging me for the next hour. Why would I not yeah. want at least 
start on the right foot kind of thing. And also, my ego isn't driven by this, you know, Alive at the Apollo, let's make me look good kind of thing. It's mm. why I don't want, like, uh, 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 I got an email through the other day from Edinburgh Fringe about, you know, do you want the bill, you know, the big posters on the sides of things? And I was like, my ego can't take that. You're kidding me. First of all, my bank balance can't take that. But I don't want, <laughs> I don't need my face four times the size of it on the mm. side. No one's going to come because of that. And how is that going to make me feel good? Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Anyone. No one wants this. Exactly. Well, unless I can spend at least a few days on Photoshop, you, 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 you cannot have it. You cannot have my face. Natalie yeah. Seema had that great joke. That, the day I came to see her show two years ago, someone looked really disappointed in the front row and she went, so have you come to see this? And she held up a flyer and he went, yeah, and he went, Photoshop. By the way, just to point out, like I, this is me, yeah. but we need to spend a while on it. And I, I was see. like, I was like, Matt, you look lovely. Don't put mm. yourself down. But also, you did look better than you know, like you had mm. obviously. But then everyone does. I mean, my, I don't tend to do that on my posters, but that's because I'm a white middle class man, and I don't need that for the industry. Mm. And I'm not saying that's a good thing at all. That's awful. But also, that's a wider societal issue. That's not a comedy issue. Mm. You know what I mean? People that say you know, uh, things about appearances and people getting... I mean, that was that fucked me off the other day. Sorry, this is way off topic. But mm. I was talking to a friend of mine who had been booked for a gig and, and she was the 15-minute middle spot and they put, her, they put her on the posters in like a full thing of her and the headliner was just his head in a circle. And I said to her, in the nicest possible way, how does that make you feel? And she was like, what do you mean? And I went, have you, and she hadn't even, you know, because mm. women are so used to it by a certain age that they don't even clock stuff like that. And I was like, well, you are the selling point of that for the wrong reason. They put a cut out of mm. you mm. on there and the headline, and to me, a poster should just be, and plus she was the only one that was full on that. Like all the rest of those like floating head circle things. And I was like, how is the promoter okay with this? Like, mm. And also I'd question if I was there if I'd even been booked on merit on that. Because it looked like, well, we booked someone pretty too. Regardless of my feelings towards her attractiveness or whatever, I get really annoyed by that because I think you shouldn't be booked like that on any capacity on, on this circuit. You know, and there are, there are guys the same way where, you know, uh, Joel Dommett's just come out of the, the jungle and all of the things they're talking about is how when he took a shelf, he was ripped. And I'm like, and I get that that show specifically is about that, but they've started talking about it in terms of his comedy and things. And I'm like, he's a funny guy. Don't immediately write him off because he's attractive as well. I mean... Like he's going to be able to do jokes about his abs. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit tired today, guys. I did so many sit-ups. Yeah, You know, yeah, yeah. Like, what? You know it's like when you get to a thousand one sit-ups and you pass out, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, me... Relatable comedy. Yeah. <laughs> that thing when you, you, you meet the great guests that come into the, to the, your show, mm. it's a really good idea. It's like, because it's so, it's so like a compare trick, isn't it, really? You know, when you go yeah. in and go, hey, it's just like, hey, guys, it's not, yeah. You know, just get chat to them, and, and you're just being real, being normal. All right, okay, this is a normal person rather than yeah. the, big show, the big show, and that's it. Rather than like kind of, yeah. you know, <laughs> jazz hands, showbiz, oh, hi guys. I it, I got told the other day my branding is I'm a human, yeah. which I thought was really nice, but also made me feel a bit like I'm now forcing being a human. Do you know what I mean? Because you're branding. I find online a lot brands right. want to be people and people want to be brands, and I don't think that's a good way of living at right. all. My, my ethos on it is that, like I said, because of, of what I want long-term, I'd mm. rather start now. And I was talking to Susie Wilde, and she was saying, uh, we were both concerned about the circuit, essentially, and, and how we're both getting, both being asked increasingly to do more unpaid work for clubs mm. that are charging on the door, and we're not getting expenses and things. And I was saying to her, you know, you could do it another way and try and build your own audience. You don't have to do a show, you could do a half an hour thing or whatever, mm. if you've got, and I know she's got that. So, you know, then it could be you doing another comedian, do a split show, run around the country, and I mean, you're not on your own. I hated being on my own on mm. tour. It's fucking agony. And she was like, yeah, I could do that, but how'd you get people in? And I was like, same way the clubs do, you advertise it. And, and it was this weird 
you know, conversation where uh, she was like, but how do you even start with that? And I went, well, just book a room. Mm. Like you would do for a gig. Book a room, then message promoters in the area and say, look, I'm sorry, I'm doing a show, you know, don't want to tread on your toes or anything. I just want to know how you advertise, make sure I don't advertise too much in the same way. Be respectful. And that's how I do my talk. You know, say I'm going to Cardiff in the, uh, for the first time as a solo mm. show and I messaged a promoter there and said, look, I don't want to do it on a day you're already doing a show. It's not fair for me to try and steal your audience or whatever. Mm. When can I do it? When it won't, you know, when it will at least impact you and it might make my job easier and also whatever. Mm. Nicest guy. He messaged me back and said, yeah, great. I've got a two, I've got a, I'll do it fortnightly. You can do it in the middle of this gap if you want or this, these dates and mm. stuff. And, and then he messaged me a lot of place he advertises. Why would he not? You know, I've been respectful of his thing. I'm not trying to steal his audience. I'm not trying to sit on his turf or anything. Mm. And and I'd be more than happy to come and do his club the week before if he wanted me to do different material to help build for my thing. And I'd do it for free because he's been nice to me. Mm. You know? Again, it just comes down to being nice and thinking laterally about mm. it. But long term, if I think, what do I want? Mm. I want a base of people and I want to know what I'm doing in terms of everything for myself. Mm. Yeah. And also not stepping his toes and therefore you're building a relationship with him as well as your audience yeah. at the same time. That's so great. But why would you not? People forget the niceties of the whole thing, and mm. people are just like that. That seems to be irrelevant these days. I know that's such an old man thing to say. No, it's the business end. It is very true, isn't it? There's just a bit of a bit of social decorum. Yeah, is, is what it is, isn't it? People, people are struggling in this, mm. and I get it because I'm struggling in this as well. And I, I realised the other day when I was talking to someone, I was like, I'm playing my privilege, and I'm not realising it because I've got a day job. And, and I've kept my day job specifically because I don't earn enough out of this yet anyway. Partly because I also like writing and I learn a lot from it and there's a lot of transferable skills. But I, I'm very privileged in the fact that I even have been consistently employed for the time I've been as a comedian. And so I've been able to subsidise it in a way that some other people haven't. And, and for me to play that card and say, oh, it's fine, you just get a venue and whatever. Some people don't have that capacity. Mm. However... You can start smaller than that. There are people that are more privileged than me that started bigger than me and mm. you know, have scaled down or scaled up depending on how well they did. Mm. I don't buy that you can't do it if you weren't driven enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, well, I spoke to Richard Herring about this. He told me that you know, before he did podcasting, so this is 10 years ago, he would have you know, 20 people that would come see him in a room and that was it. And he was sustaining just on that. Mm. And you think, he'd been going how long? 10 years ago? What, 15 years or something? He'd been yeah. on TV. Him and Stu, I mean, even if you didn't know him, you knew Stu, so you knew kind of of him. Mm. You know, he, he pulled a, sorry, he pulled a fair crowd for, for someone of that size who hadn't ever thought about sustaining an audience. Mm. Started podcasting, he told me within three years, it was four times that. Now, four times 20 years 80, which is, again, not arena selling out or whatever, mm. but now he's been doing it 10 years, he sells out 200 seat art centres, and it's because he's built an audience and he's built a relationship with mm. them. And for someone like him, who's been going 15 years, mm. who then started thinking about it, and fair enough, the internet wasn't as big 10 years mm. before that, and, whatever, and, and he didn't have as many options and all that kind of stuff. But then there were, you know, I know comedians who've been going 20 years, who started a main list 20 years ago. Look at Paul mm. Foote. Paul Foote started his main list when he was, you know, a few years in. He, started, he, he called himself the, the, the head of the connoisseurs of Paul Foote comedy mm. and started his own main list, right? Again, it's arrogant and silly mm. and whatever, but that plays into who he is. And now he's got a mailing list that he can sell out shows around the place because he knows what he's been doing. Mm. He's not an idiot, and, he's, and he knows that he needed that. So for someone to turn around to me and say, oh, yeah, but, you know, the internet's only been a thing for whatever, you go, no. Paul knew what he was doing, and Paul didn't have a background in marketing. He was a, he was a website coder, yeah, but he didn't have a background in, in internet marketing or anything. Mm. He just started taking people's names written down and... and yeah, sorry, I just get... The thing that you forget about this is if, if we were to strip this back, mm. 
you don't need the industry. Mm. Even, even TV and things, those things have been invented to make more money off of something that was already doing okay. Yeah. And the reason it's not doing okay now is because people thought, okay, we'll take, if we take 10 performers that do really well and we market them correctly so we, we take the attention away from all the other people, yeah. we'll make a lot of money. And it doesn't matter necessarily that the lad has been pulled out from the people that would get a lifestyle and working out. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a conspiracy way. It's just what's happened. Mm. If you look at you know, the big agencies, and, and I, I don't need to name them, but, I, uh, but also no. I don't mind naming them because I have friends in them. And uh, mm. you know, a friend of mine just got a job at you know, PBJ and Avalon. You know, they're lovely people and it's not nothing against them or the agents in mm. any way. But you look at what they're doing. People, if you look at that country and you think, mm. I don't know how many millions of people live there, they all have 24 hours in a day. They all mm. only have a certain amount of attention for comedy in a day. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you have some, a venue in Taunton that has a potential of 5,000 people around the area that want to come see comedy on any given night, they have a venue that can only fit 200. Out of those 5,000, how many of those 5,000 were free that night and, you know, 200 and something? So let's say you get 100 people in that room. So you could get 100 people that come to that room. Say there were two comedians doing it on that way. You know, you're splitting down the attention here. Mm. But if you've got someone that they've seen on TV and they've got a connection with through these mediums, that means they don't know any other comedians. And, they, and also, comedy is a treat. That's something that we all forget a lot. We go to it five nights a week because we're performing. An average punter goes three times a year. If you look at it that way, you are getting such a privileged moment with those people that when they're deciding to come and see you, mm. that if they can play the monopoly on it by having them continuously appear on TV and on radio and all this kind of stuff, of course you're not likely to take a risk on someone new if they don't know who you are, mm. which is why this online content is key to someone mm. like me who doesn't have the backing of a TV channel or of a production agent or anything like that. It, it's a case of comedians turning around to me and saying, oh, it's hard, mm. makes me go, you won't be here in a while, I'm cool with that. Because you're not working at it. Mm-hmm. And if people say, oh, but how do I even make it work? Or, 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 or someone said to me, they've been doing a podcast for a year, and they were like, oh, it's only got a few thousand downloads mm-hmm. over the year. And I'm like, that's still a few... What are you on about? That's... I know, I totally get... I yeah. totally agree with them. And they've done a podcast for a year, and they say that, like, uh, well, you know what? I gave up because no one was listening. Mm. You're doing it for you. Yeah. You're doing this... Like, I mean, this is... You do comedy, right? Everyone goes, oh, I'm doing it to make people laugh. No, not really. If you look at it honestly, you're doing it for you because you yeah. need that attention. Yes. Yeah, and, and it could be one of the three negative reasons I've mentioned, or it could be that you just need attention. Mm. And attention is not a bad word. It, mm. uh, it depends on why you need it. I mean, like I said, I've done it before. I've, I've gone through periods of doing comedy for a month or so where I'm running away from a feeling or I'm running away from something that I don't want to deal with in real life or you know I've had, I've had really bad disagreements and falling out from my family mm. where I've fallen back and gone right I'm just going to gig every night so I'm just going to fuck it I even just do open mics all the time just mm. to get out of the house so I don't have to be around mm. them when I was living with them or whatever that's not healthy but that's how I dealt with it mm. and it's nice because it means I get positive attention from complete strangers mm. which reinforces that my family don't give me as much but it perpetuated a horrible situation now I deal with it head on now I just talk to them about it mm. because it's much nicer for me that way like like you said at 30 I'm sort of taking it a bit more seriously you know I realised you know my dad's going to die soon I don't want I don't want him dying the same way me and my granddad died you know I, I, I associated my granddad with tech support like every time he'd ring, ring me up it would be because he had a problem with his computer and I said to my dad the other day you're going the same way yeah I mean when I lived with him I can understand you know the free rent of living with your parents to, in exchange for IT support, that's fair. That's a fair trade off, I'm cool with that. But now I don't live with him, and I'm hoping I don't have to go and live with him anytime soon. I want to be. I want to go and see him for a reason, mm. and and you know that relationship's harder with my mum because my mum's not self aware and she's got a lot of mental health issues and mm. she's not. She's got stigma about it, so she doesn't want to seek any help, and that's her call. And I can't help her if she doesn't want to help herself, and that's fine. But it means I just stay away from her more than I do. Mm. I, and my sister's working on herself, and so I'm working mm. with her, and I'm cool with that. 
But yeah, as, as far as I'm concerned, uh, yeah, if, if my dad died tomorrow, I'd be, I'd be happier now the way we are. But mm. if, uh, you know, I, if my mum died tomorrow, I wouldn't feel much because I don't have a relationship with her. Mm. And I don't like that. Mm. And I don't want that to be the case. But mm. unfortunately, that's who she is to me. And she doesn't do a lot for my mental health. Yeah. And I don't buy this bullshit that, you know, we've been sold where we go, oh, but they're family. Or, oh, but if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. And it's like, no... Because I've got mates of mine who can't handle me at my worst, and I'm not going to throw them away because they can't. Because that's my bad, not theirs. Mm. That's my fault, not theirs. Mm. And for me not to take responsibility, for me to make them the problem in that situation is me not taking accountability for it. That's one of the things. That's why when I was on Tinder and the girl had that in her bio, I just swiped right. Uh, the, the negative one, regardless mm. of whether I thought she was cool or not. Because I'm like, we're not going to get on. Because mm. the fact you think that thing is a thing means that you will blame me if you're having a bad time and I can't deal with it. And that's not fair. Because just because I can't deal with it doesn't mean I'm not worth having in your life. All of your stand-up and all of your, your podcasts are, are, are a real sort of path, I guess, to finding who you are, really. Like, you've got the mental health podcast, you're like, right. And they're all for you, really, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. listening to someone who's talking about their, their mental health goes, oh, man, I, I totally get that as well. They're all, all these, basically, all these podcasts are all validating pieces of work. For you, sort of, yeah. They, they validate you, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's in like like the the Ask Industry podcast. Yeah. It's it teaches you about where to go with stand up and stuff. You get some tips from these people, yeah. Uh, and, and one question as well: Is there any parts you've never released in the Ask Industry podcast? You kind of go, no, I'm keeping that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So I've never done that right. because. And you wouldn't say yes either because that well, would no, ruin no, your. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm only messing with this. I'm just playing with it. Yeah. I, no, no. Here's, yeah. here's, here's the thing I've got. Right. Is, is transparency means a lot to me. Sure. Honesty means a lot to me. Even if it hurts, I'd rather know it. Sure. And for me, I mean, when I started it, basically an agent had come to see me mm. and they said we'd love to talk to you. Blah 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 blah. It was in Edinburgh, so of course everyone was busy. They didn't get back to me. After Edinburgh, I texted them and said, "Do you still want to meet up?" And they went no, we've kind of taken on someone else, it's fine. Mm. And, I, and it's fine, because it happens, right? But I said, can we at least meet for a coffee? I'd love to know what you saw in me. I'd love to know what it was, just so I can know what happened. And they said, oh, I'm really busy with post-thing, building up to Christmas, all that kind of stuff. And I went, fine. And then I was like, it's not fine. I have put, an, I put a bit of emotional investment in this, not as much as I would do now, but, you know, your first, it's the second agent to speak to me, but the first one to give me proper kind of hope that someone might pick me up kind of thing. You get like that sometimes, especially I was three years in, you know what I mean? And, and I thought, how can I talk to them? How can I make sure they can't say no? Mm. And then I thought, hang on, they've got ego too. So I went out and bought mics and I was like, right, well, what if I record it and put it on the internet? Will this be less awkward for mm. them? And then all of a sudden, industry people are, and I get uh, probably about once a week, an industry person saying, I'd love to come on and talk about stuff. Mm. And it's like, great, because <laughs> it saves me a bit of hassle. But also I've had to say no to some people because first of all, I don't agree with what they're doing. And second of all, because I don't want to spend two hours editing their voice because I've heard them talk. And some people, you're like, you, don't, uh, you know, you know, I, was like, I know you're nodding. Right. Right. You're I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. For me, it's, uh, yeah, so for, for me, the whole point of that was that I imagined that I, well, the way I pitched it to the first couple of people was I wanted to feel like we're talking in a, you know, open bar in Edinburgh mm. and there's a comedian who can't pick their name, doesn't want to get involved but wants to hear what we're saying. Mm. So let's do it as like a talk radio type thing. And Hills came on and she was fucking giving about that. She, you know, she... Uh, said I'll come for an hour. She sat in my, my flat when I was with my girlfriend for about four and a half hours. I got it down to under three because I was shit at editing and I can't listen to that one back. Like, I don't know how people listen to that one, to be honest with you. I wanted to take it down, but a lot of people have said they get a lot out of it anyway, mm. so I, I don't feel like it's fair because it's, you know. Mm. And plus, it's, 
I like the fact that it's shit because it means that when people listen to my current ones and they go, oh, you're really good at that. Mm. I go, listen to number one, you can start one too mm. because I want more people to start podcasts. Even though it's a cliche thing that every comedian has one now, I want people to at least give it a try because that way you have an understanding and an appreciation of what people put into these mm. because I didn't when I started. I think, like you said, I've st- you know, you, you back once when you realise how much effort's gone into one and how much uh, work's gone into even if it's sharing it or putting an effort in or whatever mm. because you... you <laughs> It's so much work, and it's not like it, it's self-imposed work. Mm-hmm. But also, if you're getting value from something, you should support the thing. And that's uh, my ethos, and has been for a while. The book I just wrote mm. is literally about that. It's like if you feel you've given people value, they will support you. Mm. Uh, so if so, if they feel like you've given them value, rephrase <laughs> yeah. that because um, we all feel like we're valuing everyone. Mm. And, and I've got friends who have done it. I mean, Ben and Joe Charman. I'm meeting up with them later mm. this evening because we're going to a thing, uh, an animation thing at YouTube, and. You know, you look at what they've done. They've built this audience and they make a living from it. And, you know, same with Richard Herring. He, makes, he doesn't make a living directly from it, but he makes a living off the back of it. Mm. And, it, yeah, it, it can be done. And, it, and and you can do it very easily if mm. you do something that people value. Mm. And you don't even need that many people to value it. Like I said, it's a 1,000 people to give you 20 quid a year. Mm. Now, if you look at that over a month, that's two quid a month maybe for them to patronise or for whatever for your you know content. Mm. It's not that much. Mm. And I know 20 grand a year isn't a lot to live off of, but I bet you any money, if we took an average comedian on one of our timelines and we said, right, we'll give you 20 grand a year to make podcasts every month, yeah. they would snap it up. And they'd go, I, I don't earn that amount from gigging. As much as someone might be listening to this going, how do you even live off 20 grand? I go, I don't, but it's part of what I do. Mm. And I don't earn 20 grand. Last year I earned uh, $2,000 from podcasting. Mm. And that's not that much. It's about 1800 1700 pounds. I don't, mm. That's not me breaking even by a long chalk. Mm. But if that keeps building, yeah. I might break even in four years. That's <laughs> I, I question people that want fame because I don't I don't understand it I don't see it as a positive thing mm. uh, especially as I saw it as a positive thing maybe 10-15 years ago mm. when fame was a thing you'd achieved but now because of the selfie generation you, you and I'm part of that I'm not you know I don't see it as a positive you don't get as much out of it and also you're not respected as much because you haven't you know I mean Joe my mate Joe Charman you know, he choked with me the other day about mm. how, you know, he, he, he spends hours on, a, on an animation thing. But the ones that get most views are when he chucks a bottle into a bin from behind his back or whatever. Oh, God. And, and yeah. he was like, this drives me insane because yeah. I get it and it's easy for them to consume and stuff. Yeah. But if I spend two weeks on like a little animation of a whatever and then that gets 10,000 views and, and for him that's not a lot. Mm. And, you know, but then he chucks a bottle from, you know, into a net from behind him and it gets 200 million or whatever. He's like... Is that all I am? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's you know, but that's that's what he's famous for. I bet Brian Cox is the same problem where he goes, "Am I only famous for telling people the world's going to explode in two million years?" Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure he has it as well. But for me, I, I just want to be, I just want to be known for creating good content, regardless mm. of the medium. Mm. So as a result, people will take a punt on me when I have something new to offer. And mm. um, that means I have to find the right medium. It means I have to find the right audience. You have to start somewhere. You can't. You yeah. can't start off. You're not. No one's going to start off and they're going to be great at something. Yeah. Was there moments in your? Uh, you got your how well, seventy what now podcasts you released? Seventy one for, for the last industry. industry. I've got about eight banked. Eight banked. Right. Okay. Because I, I keep ahead of myself because yes. otherwise I've got to. Yeah. Otherwise you run out. Oh no! I've released yeah. Two weeks time. Having a bit of a break. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also. It's also that like. Sometimes I don't want to go and talk to industry people because they depress me sometimes. Right, yeah. So, and also Edinburgh is a really good time for me to get five of them banked in a, in a mm. week. But that does stress the shit out of you because yeah. it means I'm spending two hours in the morning recording stuff, mm. then gigging in the afternoon, yeah. and 
uh, you know, it, yeah, you, you don't get so much energy yeah. for, and good and goodwill. Yeah, it, yeah, especially if it's a difficult one. You know, you yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is one they weren't like this before. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> that moment of like of talking to them normally, then you turn on the microphone. Yeah, they get it, it totally changes, doesn't yeah. it? It's a shame, really, because it just you know they go, all oh, right, this is the person I need to present to the world. This is why I tend to cut the first half an hour of every podcast I do mm. because generally speaking so the two hours I talk about so most guests I say to them oh, I need 90 minutes so that's why when you said an hour and 15 I was like oh my god it's a short one but I don't say an hour and a half and then I turn up about half an hour early mm. partly because most of the time I want to set up so that we can just hit play when they, if they've got a limited time but partly because then we can chat for a bit yeah. and I'll usually sort of say to them we're just going to do a sound check for about five minutes and then it ends up being half an hour because I'm just getting them used to holding mics and I'm getting used to doing the thing. And then out of that, I'll cut like a minute to be like a little intro. Because I want everyone to know if the guest isn't used to holding a mic. And if the guest is a bit wary and stuff. When I had Ben Williams, he was the editor of Time Out. He, he took forever to get on because he doesn't like his own voice for one. Mm. And he doesn't like talking about himself. And he doesn't like talking about his work. Mm. And he's really humble in that way. But I emailed him a couple of times saying, you know. And every time I emailed him about a gig, because you do email your listings off to him in London. I just put PS, still on offer. Like, you know, mm-hmm. keep him going. And eventually he said... Alright, let's do this. Like, I'd, I'd like to see this while I'm still editor of Time Out, because he knew that was coming to an end and stuff. And um, yeah, he, he gave me two hours and, and he, he hated it. Like, he, every, he kept saying, I don't like, I don't like. And I edited a lot of that out because mm. no one needs to hear him repeating it. But he was so good in terms of by the end, he'd got used to the fact that we were just having a conversation mm. and it wasn't a stressful thing and he doesn't have to think about it. And, and I said to you know I said to him if you want to hear it before it goes out you can I'm not going to fucking try and make you look like a dick like you said it, for me to do that to an industry person would just be burning a bridge it is my but in answer to your original question uh, yeah I'm fine how are you no uh, <laughs> yes. no but no, genuinely in answer to your question there's, yeah. only, there's been uh, two episodes that haven't been able to go out one due to a technical issue because uh, I that's why I asked you before I plug in my headphones so I can yeah. hear what's being recorded in terms of them they were sat next to a fan and I kept picking up things but it, I didn't hear it on the thing. I don't know why. So I was going to re-record that one, but I don't know if I'm going to do that one because I'm trying not to do as many London promoters now because I want to cover more of the country. So there's that one. And there was another one who approved it and then their board of directors they work for had listened to it and said that this would ruin the company. And it was because they were very sexist and uh, offensive. And in the position they were in, I felt that it was very key that people know what they were like mm. and I hadn't edited it to make it sound like that in fact if anything I'd edited it slightly in their favour mm. because some of the stuff I took out and they actually asked why I took that out because they said that you can hear the edit point at one point in it, and I went yeah I couldn't get that smooth but mm. I didn't want to leave in something you'd said there because I didn't feel first of all that it's there that you because you know when you get someone in the moment they're just talking Everyone says something in the moment, they're not quite whatever, you know? Yeah. And I felt like, you know, maybe they'd gone a bit far with that, or maybe they felt like they weren't being recorded and whatever, mm. so I didn't want to make them come off that way. Mm. But they said, no, no, you could have left that and it would have been fine. And I said, no, I'm going to take it out just because I know my audience and I don't think it's fair on you. But then their board sort of said, this is this will ruin the company. We can't, we can't let this go out. And they actually said, look, if you put it out, we'll sue you. And I was like, okay, you can't go out then. Mm. And then they said, no, you can re- 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 we'll re-record it, just send us through the questions. And I went, no, I don't do the questions ahead of time because then it might as well be a written interview. There's no point. And also, listen, you've got the copy of it. You've basically got the questions anyway if you want to go through it and get them. So that really annoyed me because that's obviously you know a day and a half worth of editing yeah. back and forth and emailing that is lost for me. And no one really knows about that. And, and they're really nice to me. Whenever we bump into each other at a, an event or like an industry party or whatever, mm. 
they are so much nicer to me than anyone there around because they know I still have that on my hard drive. <laughs> and, I, and I know that's why they're being... Like, Rob's fingers together. Yeah, I, I would never release it, partly because I don't want to get sued. No, of course. But, but, part, but I, could, I don't think it would hold up anyway as a suing thing. I remember I was standing near them and I didn't notice they were there at the time and then I overheard their voice and I sort of heard them being a bit of a dick and, I, and, then, and then I sort of... You know, you're sort of just standing there and someone was coming through, so I moved back and I sort of hit into them on purpose on my accident. Yeah. And they went, Simon! <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, literally. It's like my mum getting a phone call. You know, like when she goes, you're a piece of shit, I can't believe yeah. you're still doing that comedy thing. Yeah. The phone rings, Susan, <laughs> how are you doing? You know what oh, I mean? God. And you think the conversation's over and it's not. And I'm cool with that. I'm yeah. fine with people being nice to me, right. but I'm not cool with them being dishonest to me and yeah. I, I didn't like it. Makes you so, feel even more wary of them, really. Yeah, it? yeah, because it made, and it made me not want to do the second interview again because I was like, now how are you going to be? You're going to know what's happening. You're going to think that I'm trying to get you off or something like this. And, yeah. and it's like, I'm not. I, you know, The more you talk to someone, the more the, their real self comes out. Uh, the only exception to that is the first couple of dates with someone, generally speaking. Mm. Because, I, mean, I don't know about you, but when I was in my 20s, I was really good at holding back my personality for the first couple of dates. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it became an art form for me. Like mm. I was like, I'm going to be this guy tonight. And it's like, <laughs> well, like no, no, not like as in like, I was faking who I was, but yeah. I was like, you know, oh, I kind of know a bit about her and she's mentioned she likes this. I'm going to try and play that side of me up yeah. a bit. Because you want to impress the person. Of course you do. But now I'm like, you know what? I've had sex. I don't give a shit about it anymore. Mm. You know, sex is great when it's great, but I'm not bothered. I just, I'm looking for someone who I can have a conversation with. Mm. So if I can't have a conversation with you early on, let's bolt, and I'm cool with that. Mm. And it's the same with everyone. I'm like, if you if you bore me, mm. or you're not interesting, or you're not fun, okay. Mm. <laughs> well, that's fair. I don't like this thing. I don't think I was faking a personality. I just think uh, I was doing what I do on stage, which is playing up part of me more in front of dates, which I don't like. Because yeah. now, I mean, I, I went on a... I went on a it wasn't really a date. It was kind of a date date. Mm. Last time I properly went on a date was June last year. Right. And uh, I remember talking to her about a book I was reading, which is about Charles Manson, about serial mm. killers. And mm. I talked about 20 minutes about my favourite serial killers and all that kind of stuff. And by the end of it, she, I was looking at her going, oh, shit, I don't feel like I should have brought this up on a first date. And I stopped talking and she just went, I can't believe you haven't brought up John George Haig. Like, and I was like, okay. And she was like, the acid bath murder. And I went, I know who he is. I was just like, I didn't know you knew who he is. And it was great, because I was like, she likes them too? Yeah. Like, we like Siri, because they're just fascinating. I don't, you know, they're just interesting as people because of the mental health element and, mm. and all that kind of stuff. And also the way they do it is so creative half the time. It's mm. fucking amazing. And I was like, oh, God, thank God she doesn't think I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, so I was, I was grateful, and I really liked her. And, you know, she's, I mean, yeah, she, she, she was going for cancer at the time, and she's yeah. now in chemo, so we're not there okay. for a number of reasons because mm. of that. Um, but we're still we're still really good mates. We text all the time, and I, I love her a bit. She's amazing. But yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want to put her through dating when she's going for chemo. In doing these podcasts and all of these writing things, what was it the thing that triggered you? If you if you don't mind asking. Uh, so I listened to the Tim Ferriss podcast, which right. is uh, if you don't know him, he's he's an expert in productivity. Mm. And if you're ever looking for inspiration to become productive, I'm probably not the person to go to. He is because he he keeps me going. I mean, at least he inspires me to find better ways because he's a, a businessman and I'm not so as a result you know you have to find your own methods of these things but I listen to a lot of his podcasts and I listen to a few and you know when it gets to like the end of the interview and then it cuts out to a little bit of music on a lot of podcasts I often stop it there now because I was driving along my podcast player was just playing through the last bits of all of them because it was going through them in order and so it played me the outro of two of his podcasts in a row and it was you know thanks for listening and all that kind of stuff 
And I listened to it, and they were almost the same. And I took the files off, and I put them through my, my player, and I looked at them on, on two different tracks, and they were identical. And I was like, he's just recorded this once and blocked it in. And no, no, that's clever, because that means you don't have to edit that again. And if you're just saying it again, why not? But the reason why I don't do that, and the reason why I try not to do that, is because, first of all, I've got some catchphrases that I'd like to record and just put in. But I like the fact that I treat every episode like the pilot. Because I don't think everyone's listening to every episode of that. They are the industry one anyway, specifically. I don't think anyone's listening to every episode. Mm. So if I treat every episode specifically for that podcast like the pilot, it means that, you know, first of all, I think more people go back and listen to other ones because they feel like each episode's a kind of uh, audio book on its own, if you like, from mm. the industry. But also it means that I have to treat everyone as an individual, which I think is kind of something that's forgotten a little bit, especially... In, in that terms of podcasting. Mm-hmm. So the time capsule podcast I'm working on, that's going to have a similar outro pretty much identically, so I'm going to not bother doing that every time because it, it doesn't need it. it uh, why would I waste more time editing me saying, thanks for listening, every fucking week? <laughs> you know, if, if it takes me an hour to do 10 minutes and the intro and outro together are five minutes, that's half an hour of my life every week that I'm editing the same words. Yeah. Why would I do that? I'm dying soon. I don't need that time wasted. I'd rather spend that time with your dog. I know, you know what I mean? They're cool. If you ever get a chance to do the podcast, come, he's got a cool dog. Um, <laughs> uh, unless you're allergic to dogs. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, just look at them from afar. They're yeah. cute. Oh, you're a cat person? Well, that's, that's not my problem. Okay? No, no, <laughs> bring a cat. That's They'll your love problem. Them. They'll bring the cat. They'll love the cat. They're not cats. No, I'll we'll um, like chase them. Ah! <laughs> I, who is it? My... The Jones is the cat next door to where I used to live. Great name for a cat. Yeah, very uh, formal name as well. Yeah, Mr. Well, Jones. I went around and said to them, you know, seems to be a doctor. Is that? Yeah, I, I said, is it? Is it his first name, Mister, or has he got a first name or whatever? Yeah. And they were like, no, she's Mr. Jones. And they looked at me like I was being a fucking moron. I was like, you call your cat Mr. Jones? I'm going to have a follow-up question. Mm. I was like, well, who is he named after? And he went, he's not, it's just his name. He's not named after anyone. I was like, so you don't even know called someone Mr. Jones? And they went, no, no. We just thought it fit him. And I went, it does. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted a formal relationship with yeah. the cat. They didn't want just like a first name. No, no, no. Because, like, you know, cats can be pricks sometimes. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. want to keep it just, yeah, that, that much distance between them. He, like is, he is a roommate, essentially. He's not a yeah. cat. Yeah, not <laughs> larger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my dog, because we live next door, he would always go around there and literally they would just sit nose to nose all the time. No fighting, just sort of go, yeah. trying to suss each other out. Yeah. And eventually, like, Mr. Jones would go, on his nose like push him sorry you can't see it like push him away and Poppy would just go yeah fair fair point yeah. and she'd just win every time because you know the, my dog's a bloody piece of shit oh, right. so yeah the last couple of years of doing the, the industry, Ask the Industry podcast mm. or your other podcasts what is your biggest high and your biggest low I'll start with low because uh, because I'd like to end high, high. that'd be nice <laughs> I, you know you said how you don't like talking to people sometimes mm. or, or like you don't want to talk to certain people or whatever I had a guest on who I can't name because we've just sort of managed to rebuild this sort of relationship we didn't have before because mm. of the thing but I had a bit of professional a professional lapse in the episode mm. and it sort of annoyed him a little bit during the recording and I, and I wasn't proud of it so they were working on a TV show uh, we ended up not including this bit about it just because of what it was about. I won't say too much about what they were doing on it because it'll make it obvious who they were. But they were working on a TV show. The TV show had a comedian in who I don't particularly like. They were showing me the preview of the show. I had comments about the casting of it. They agreed with it. They don't like that comedian either, which meant I felt like we were on an even keel to, for me to say stuff. And they then and then I sort of said, yeah, I didn't have them believable and then I accidentally insulted their their element of the production of it 
and I didn't mean to. But it was basically, they, they just, I don't feel like they were playing that part very well. And that's... Just trying to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, you sometimes say something in the heat of a conversation, mm. and if, like yours, I don't, I'm not holding a mic, mm. so I'm forgetting that's there sometimes, mm. and I look over and I go, shit, he is recording mm. this. So yeah, and sometimes you do that, and, and, I, and I did that, and I wasn't proud of that at all, and I didn't mean to either. It wasn't like trying to purposely dig at someone, because mm. that's, that's not fair. And I don't, I stand by my comment, you know, I've said to him before, I don't, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to grovel and be like, I didn't mean it, blah, 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 because I clearly did, because I wouldn't have said it otherwise. But, I don't. I didn't need to say it. Is the point? Mm. You know, like you said, being nice costs you nothing, and mm. keeping to your, you know, keeping something in isn't going to screw mm. you over. Yeah, that was a low point because I, I didn't like that I'd, I'd insulted a guest who'd given me a lot of their time and, and mm. had been really generous and helpful and stuff. And mm. but you thought you were being constructive anyway. Didn't, weren't you? You, were, yeah, you thought you were picking this bit mm. apart because I mean, you know, you'd be that you'd be that critical of your own work. Yeah. So you could go, oh, jeez, man, sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toes or your ego at the, the same time as well the, the, feed, the feedback I had was essentially that the, the element of production they were involved in amplified the fact that this person wasn't particularly good in the role and, and we'd already discussed that that person we didn't think was very good so as a result the yeah, yeah, that, yeah, the momentum yeah. of that went but you were oh no we were well, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're on that train we couldn't get off that train of thought oh we yeah, you're, yeah. you're in the way yeah. sorry man exactly <laughs> that's it and, I, and, 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 and we've been pretty I mean the person we were talking about we were being quite constructive about as well and we were saying that there's no reflection on them as a comedian mm. or as a performer because they're not comedians such they're, they're you know someone who does comedy or every certain uh, whatever they're not someone you would call a comedian mm-hmm. as such so as a result, they were sort of doing acting work as well, and they're not really an actor either. So sure. it, it, it was a whole thing where it made sense, but they had the look of the part they wanted for that thing, so that's why they went with that mm. person. And I get that. The appearance thing, the ab, yeah. ab issue. Oh, no, this was, uh, this was actually a kind of, not reverse of that. The way they'd written the script, they'd written out the way the cast looked as well as their descriptive things. Okay. So when they could... So like Edgar Wright does this, and it wasn't yeah. Edgar, by the way. But Edgar um, and Simon Pegg, when they're writing a mm. thing... They start with character. one dimension of the character, yeah. and then they add in bits that aren't even necessary for the part to mm. understand the character more. And then they add in things like, "Oh, that would mean he'd have a goatee," or mm. "That means he'd have this," or whatever, mm. so that they can actually build a picture in their mind, so they can capture the thing. And they've done it the same way, which I really liked. But it meant that they were so committed to the way that person looked. I just felt like they could have had someone better in mm-hmm. that. So anyway, the point was was that I let professional judgment lapse in that and, yeah. I, and I didn't like how I'd handled that and you've got that relationship back now yeah, yeah. So. I, I think the thing I like about it is that um, the immediacy of what uh, the thing that I, I stopped myself halfway through it as well and the fact that I said to them you know first of all I'd have to go in that was like a key point I made very early on as I'd realised what I'd said before they'd even sort of called me up on it and also the fact that I'd said when you said it had been taken out yeah that kind of has but that's more that it wasn't relevant to what the podcast was anyway. But but yeah, the fact that they, they were... I think, because they emailed me a little bit before Christmas, because they emailed those people about Christmas stuff, wishing everyone Christmas, so I knew we were all right. And they said, um, and they said the thing I really liked was the fact that you, uh, first of all, acknowledged it, but that, that you were doing it uh, in a way that you were constructive as well. So it wasn't just being a dick. You weren't being a Twitter troll, where you were whatever. You at least knew yeah. what you'd done. You, so. you, weren't, you weren't trying to provoke a, a reaction yeah. so you'd get a better yeah, a, yeah. a better moment on your podcast. But also, yeah. I, think, I think the thing he liked as well was, uh, he even said, the fact you've never said you've taken back what you said. Mm. Because so many people, when they apologise for stuff, especially comedians where, you know, they've said a joke and they go, didn't mean to cause offence. Mm. You know, you, you did. You mm. said it. Do you mm. know what I mean? So, so you stood behind it. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I stick with what I said, mm. and, I, and I, I'm not going to take it back at all because I do agree 
true of what I said, and I, I, whatever. But this is the other thing I hate about comedians, where they say, I meant it at the time. It's like, you did mean it at the time, but don't use that as a get-out, because yeah. that's just you trying to get out of mm. what you, you know. So, yeah, I, I stick with what I said, and, and I think that meant more to him as well, because he was at least like, this isn't the guy who's going to just needlessly apologise and pander to me. If he... I have an opinion, I'm going to stand behind it. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And it's all your biggest time. I suppose... I had a perception on the TV industry before I had my first interview with uh, Ian Coyle. He was the first TV person I, I had, a proper TV person I had on. I'd had writers on and stuff, but he was he's a commissioner there. It was a bit like a friend of mine, he, he read the Savile book, you know, the Jimmy Savile book. Mm. And he told me before he read it, he wanted to go into it on the assumption Jimmy was innocent. So instead of going along with the crowd and so reading it with a perception that this is all sinister, he wanted to go in and go, right let's have an open mind and let's see if this book convinces me otherwise or vice versa. Incidentally, it didn't. He very much was on the opinion that he was guilty. So mm. just before anyone thinks that was a thing. But anyway, I wanted to go into this interview with less... Obviously, you can't because you've got the perception, but I wanted to go into it with less less preconceptions. And so I basically spent a few days talking to people who write for TV and getting really positive reviews for things and sort of getting there. And I said, can you give me some really nice stories about you for TV? I'm not going to use them for anything. I just want to get into a good frame of mind of what TV's like and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, people are very generous with their stories because obviously everyone's got a nice story as well. And I went in and I, I was sitting on a grassy area in Edinburgh. The first thing he said to me was, don't want you to list me as a commissioner because I'm basically an man." And I said, what do you mean? And he went, well, I sell adverts. I don't sell TV shows because if I can't put an advert on it, I can't sell the show. So I'm an ad man. And I was like, okay. Mm. And then I carried on pushing through with my, no, this isn't right. No, this isn't right for about half an hour. And then we got, then we got into the actual interview because like I said, I spent about half an hour with people beforehand. And I was like, okay, I wasn't wrong. And I don't, and I'm not wrong about the content online thing. And, and it, and it reinforced to me what I was doing was the right thing. And that I was working on stuff. And, and even, you know, while we were in it, he just said, this is great. Like, the problem is, is that no one understands what you're doing. Like, no, no one fully understands it. And I was like, that's nice. And he went, no, even me. I get it, because we've talked for about half an hour about why you're doing this and what you're trying to do with this and why you're trying to make it more level for people mm. and show people they can do stuff. Mm. But I don't think anyone's going to understand it. And even, I spoke to Stuart Goldsmith in a, in a thing we were doing a little while ago. And he was like, Every, everyone should be watching you, because in three years' time... Everyone will be trying to do it, but no one has a clue right now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really nice, but no one's going to fucking like me saying that. Do you know what I mean? Click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I sound like such a prick, but it's such a nice thing for people who, yeah. who are doing what I'm talking about and mm-hmm. are getting the content element of what I'm trying to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, I've been doing this seven years in terms of online content and in terms of writing stuff for different things and people and stuff. You know, you see it change a lot in that time. And, and before then, I was even kind of involved in stuff, but I just wasn't doing it. So, you know, probably 10 years, if you look at it like that, you, you see it change. And, and I've got friends of mine who go viral all the time. And, and a friend of mine, she put up a, a, a sex-positive video the other day and was not expecting it to get trending. And it went trending on YouTube, and she's got a couple of million views on that one in the first two days. And that is a lot, she usually gets a couple hundred thousand. That's a lot for her. That's not for anyone. Yeah. And so, you know, and I was talking to her about how that was making her feel and like obviously the troll comments you're getting from that and whatever. And she was like, yeah, you, I don't want to go viral. I don't want people finding who don't like me. I want a base of people who like me. I don't need these people jumping on me going, slut, talking about this. And you're like, no, go away. You go and talk to someone else. I just want the you know, 100,000 people that watch me online. I don't mm. need you, mm. and I don't want you. So, yeah, so I think I think there's a lot of re-educating that needs to be done on that. And I think TV channels could learn a lot from online content. I think if they 
adopted a patronage system or, or, or a low pay what you want system for stuff they'd make a lot more than they would on adverts that, that's why I said to you at the beginning Simon I like your work ethic you're leading by example really it's like look guys we can do it we can all do it it's a level playing field but just you've got to take part mm. you can't just go look after a year as you said someone who mm. did their thing and like, oh no but no one was there. keep going this mm. is a year is nothing mm. you know what, what do you well, well, lot, you know, yeah. but like, yeah. I mean it depends on, on what, how you use your mm. time as you say 20, yeah. everyone's got 24 hours in a day yeah. but if you use it so right, one of my favourite quotes yeah. that I found online was uh, even Beyonce only has 24 hours in a day yeah. but the problem with that is Beyonce also has a team yeah. that have 24 hours in a day yeah. that back her up so again stop fucking quoting celebrities they're not <laughs> fucking helpful yeah it's, it's not really a, much of a comparison yeah. Yeah, in your life until we have that team well you've got a minion already so you're, yeah. one, you're one person closer to the team like, technically you are a team now what was really, what was we, we we recorded together and he was the editing. What I really liked was um, Charlotte Austin, um, who's an agent who I'm really good friends with. Mm. She messaged me the other day and said, um, "Are you still like looking for an agent?" And I went, no, no, no. "Yes and no, because I, I need someone to help me out with stuff. But ultimately, if no no one's going to do it, I'll do it myself. I'm fine with that." Mm. And she was like, oh, "I found this PA who'd be amazing for you." And I was like talking to her about her for a while, and I was like, "I like the idea of a PA, but they need to know the industry, and I don't know if and I don't know the difference between a PA and an agent." In terms of if, if the PA knows the industry, they're basically an agent. So I don't want a PA. Mm-hmm. I don't want the agent. Mm-hmm. So it didn't make any sense. It was um, so yeah. Talking about team stuff, I don't know if I would. I don't have the money to hire someone right mm-hmm. now, so it's not like a thing. But I, I have thought about that recently because I thought it was probably worth looking into at yeah. some point. Sending your CVs and uh, for a zero pay, <laughs> uh, you might be able to edit one of Simon Kane's podcasts. <laughs> well, I, I, last year I did a fair amount of social media and PR work mm. for people before Edinburgh because I wasn't doing Edinburgh and I kept this fairly quiet because I did this for clubs as well, like for so for comedy clubs. And again, I keep that quite quiet because I don't want people... I don't. People already associate me as a writer in terms of social media, but I don't want people thinking, "Oh, he's a social media guy." Mm. I want people thinking he's ultimately. I want the label comedian. As a result, I quite like that I don't have it yet because I don't feel. You know, I feel like a comedian, but mm. you know, you know, when you're not even doing it a yeah. certain amount of time, mm. you know, you can't. You, I think it was a Bonjo I joked with a while ago because he put comedian in his name on his Facebook, and I jokingly said to him, "I'm glad you've done that because I wonder what you were doing." And like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, I mean, he found it funny. He's yeah. fine with that, yeah. but. Um, but it was it was like why do you need that there? And it turned out it's because he wanted like a separate account for us. Mm. It wasn't like a yeah. thing. So that was your high with Ian Coyle, right? Yeah, he, so I really like Ian. I think he, like I said, uh, there are people in this in the industry side who don't look at it as as a monetary thing and mm. don't. Look, I mean, they earn money, but they don't. They still look at comedy as an art form, yeah. and they still look at it as a thing that you could do for free for a good reason. I don't know. It's your love, isn't it, really? It's, 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 yeah. I mean, without being, it's a bit cheesy, that, as well. But yeah. Cheesy is a British way of trying to hide from the fact of being authentic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can say that all you want, but I, I don't like it when I, when I say that. I, don't like it. I mean, no offence. It's just because when people say, oh, I'm being really, like, trite. You can't offend yourself. You cannot offend me. Oh, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot offend me. <laughs> Bring it on. No, I'm just... I'll do it. I'll do it later. Um, but the, the, po- the point I'm trying to make is that... Um, uh, yeah, the, the, you no, can't. You just want to offend me now, don't you? Just yeah, like, I was just yeah. trying to think of ways to offend you, it's really annoying me. I've forgotten the point I'm trying to make now, all I want to do is offend you. All I'm trying to say is that yeah. do, doing a gig for free is not a problem. Mm. Doing doing something for the love of something is not a problem. I found, so I got off, I mean, this, I made this quite public the other, the, uh, for a few months ago when this happened, So, I, but I don't know how many crossover we have in terms of friends and listeners and things. But, uh, I, I was doing a writing job and I'm still kind of on that writing job and I got an email from a from a really big agency a marketing agency mm. who do social media who mm. said to me 
you know, we follow you on Twitter. A few of us follow you on Twitter. We like what you do. Can you come in for an interview? I'd like to talk to you about some stuff. And I said, fine. Uh, and partly because I had a gig that night and it had been cancelled. And I thought, you know what? If they can see me last minute right now, I'll do it. It's, mm. not, it's not too far from the office. I walked down, had the interview. It wasn't really an interview. It was just a chat. They then invited me back to meet the manager. And eventually I did like three or four interviews. And by the end of it, they basically said, look, we, what are you on at the moment in terms of pay? They then doubled it in a bit. And then they said, we want you to head a department for uh, Ford. It was for um, uh, social media stuff. Mm. And I was tempted to take it, if I'm honest, mm. because I was thinking that would fund... And all I was thinking was that would fund my comedy. That would fund me for a lot of things. Mm. But then I looked at the contract, I looked at the workload, I looked at whatever. I wouldn't be able to gig. And I wouldn't be able to gig well, even if I was gigging, because you'd be knackered. Because mm. be, there was a thing about 15 people you'd be looking after. Mm. And that's a lot of people that, you know, if they stay late or whatever, I've got to stay late, because mm. you're a manager of that mm. thing. And so I turned it down, and, and the reason I turned it down was because I said, look, my progression in this is working less writing work to do more comedy mm. and to do more with my audience. Mm. My progression is not getting more writing work or getting paid to do the same writing work. Mm-hmm. If I really good to say, and I had that sort of um, Spartacus moment, you know, where mm. you sort of stand up and you go, mm. I am doing this. Yeah. But, but I was sort of saying it to myself more than I was saying it to them because I, I didn't even tell my dad because my dad, when I actually told him over Christmas what had happened, he was like, down a fucking you know what I mean yeah. and I was like yeah but you're not listening to why I turned it down because mm. for me it, it wasn't the truth of what I want to do mm. and if I'm going to die I want to have spent my time the most I can doing the thing I want to do mm. and you know if you are a comedian who wants to spend your time moaning that you haven't you know got more than a thousand downloads or you haven't you know, got any success or whatever then think about how much time you spend moaning and how much time you could spend trying to make that success a yeah. thing rather than I mean it's it all the time on Facebook mm. For me, it's like, do I want to spend another three hours a day in an office to earn a little bit more money? Or do I want to be hungry mm. and, hu- and work harder because I'm not earning as much, which mm. means I've got to work harder, mm. uh, can't stand up? Mm. Again, stay hungry, stay foolish. Yeah. And it felt better to say no. Um, it felt awful for about a day mm. because I was like... Also, they'd offered me six and a half weeks holiday because they'd Googled me and seen I was a comedian and saw that everywhere I do Edinburgh. And so they rang me up and said, everyone gets two and a half weeks holiday plus all the bank mm. holidays. We'll also give you Edinburgh for every year. So they knew, they wrote that into the contract. So they knew what I how to get me. Like, I know it was literally really you in. that was the bit oh, that, that the was bastards. the bit that, was the, that was the bit that really got me oh. because I was like, how many other contracts, mm. full time role contracts, yeah. would offer you that amount of time off exactly at, at that level? But then I was like, in the contract it said you would be on call if there was a problem and stuff. Yeah. Do I really want to be on call when I'm in Edinburgh? You've done Edinburgh. You mm. don't need your job ringing you up going we need a tweet do it now so well you have to you have to exactly. so, yeah. no, no god that, that's not what you need where can we come see you next February I'm doing Leicester the comedy festival so if you're there I don't remember the date offhand. I think it's 20 something if you search for Last Reservoir Placebo that's the name of my current show uh, then you'd be able to find it but I'm doing Leicester then and then early March I'm doing Glasgow mm. so if you're in either of those places I'm pretty I mean I'm biased but I'm pretty funny so if you want to, I mean, this hasn't reflected that. I'm aware of that. But you said that has to be fun. So, <laughs> blame Winter. Well, it's my fault. It's Winter's fault. <laughs> it's Winter's fault. Also, you should see all the racist stuff he's edited out of this. He's, <laughs> he's trying to offend me this entire podcast. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be. Oh, and then I'm doing Bath as well. Mm. Sorry. I, I, the problem is because I've booked so many. Mm. And that sounds really like, oh, oh yeah, it's okay. so just, just a nine. Just a nine, you know? That's fine. No, no. Well, no, I booked 11 last year. Oh, 11. And that oh, wasn't okay. even Edinburgh. So, right. um, but like I said, I wanted to try as many out as I could. And some yeah. of them only did one date, some of them only did five or whatever. Mm. 
And you're looking like that if you're doing one date at nine festivals, then you actually nine gigs. Yeah. But it's a lot of admin because you're doing all the stuff for you. But then I'm doing Brighton, I'm doing five gigs. So, mm. so yeah, we'll basically find your website. Yeah. yeah. Is it Ask the Industry Podcast? We find all that stuff there as well? Yeah, yeah, it's all on that. I'm redesigning the website, so it should be easy for you to use. Maybe. And if it's cool. not, I blame my designer, me. I design, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm not a designer. <laughs> you need to get that programming minion <laughs> under your belt. Yeah, yeah, that's what you need. He, he, needs, to get, he needs to get on designing websites for me. Um, I might contact Paul Foot see if he's doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. And so it's like you can follow you at This Made Me Cool. This it? Made Me Cool is my Twitter, yeah. Right. Uh, it's funny, I suppose. Cool. I don't know. It's more, I, 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 had this, I had this debate with, who was it? It was, a, it was a comedian, I don't know if I want to mention who it was. It was a comedian who I bumped into at a gig mm. who who, um, who said to me they, they'd unfollowed me, and I said, oh, that's fine. And they were getting a bit sort of like, yeah, it's because you never followed me. And I was like, it's not there for you. My Facebook's there for you. My, if you want to, if you want the jokes, go mad. They're there mm-hmm. for everyone. But it's there for people who like what I do. Mm. Yeah, I didn't say fans. But it's there for you know the general public to find me. Mm. And it's, I find that kind of weird because you know, like if comedians are doing stuff on there, and I follow a few of them because like some of them do jokes as well, and I want to see what other people are saying and whatever. But yeah, it was just really weird where they were like, I want to get a figure up, but only, you know, it's like. If you, if you can buy followers if you really want that, that vanity number is not doing you any favours, mate. I mean, I've got I've got probably a couple of hundred accounts on there that are dead on there, mm. or like of people's Edinburgh accounts they make for like three months mm. and then leave them and stuff. My number's not accurate at all. Mm. Follow, because when they have the cull of the fake accounts, I'm going to be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simon, yeah. thanks for coming on. No it's been great, man. I really enjoyed it. I'm Good sorry for rambling. Like, no, it's been great. Yeah, thanks, yeah, man. Thank you. I don't know why I'm shaking your hand. No, no one can see formal. that. It's, yeah. It feels good, right? No one can see it. Formal end. And that was Simon Kane, best known for Ask the Industry podcast, where he interviews some of the most influential people from the industry of comedy, radio, media, everyone. Go check it out. Some great tips there. You can follow him on Twitter at This Made Me Cool. He's also touring a show round at the moment called Laughter is the Best Placebo. Go see him live. He's a lovely fella. He's always got time for people. He's really honest, really hardworking. A lot of time for Simon. It was just lovely to catch up with him for the couple of hours that we had him on the show. If you like this podcast, you want to follow us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at The Comedy Defect. If you want to follow me, it's at Winter Phonander. Now I've got some previews for my upcoming show for the Hastings and the Edinburgh Fringe, which I'll be touring around. And those dates will be on my website, which will be winterphonander.com. So go check them out. Come see me. Come talk to me. And uh, you'll see some stuff that will be great. Some stuff will need work. But that's how it goes. You've got to road test these things. If you like this podcast, you want to donate to us, we're on Patreon. Go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, and we're there. Donate or don't donate. Leave us a nice honest review or share your favourite episode. It all helps and tells everyone what we're doing and where we are. We're on iTunes and Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts from. But that's it for now from this episode of the Comedy Defect podcast. Next week, we've got episode 33 with a very funny, very laid back and lovely guy, Mr. Simon Lilly.